Whoa, wait, what? That's better. Hi there, and welcome to Season 2 of the If You Ask Betty podcast, the podcast about all kinds of development topics for all kinds of learning professionals. I'm Betty Danowitz, and today we're talking with Lisa Tanagas about entrepreneurship and innovative learning. Hi, Lisa. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Absolutely. Can you give us a quick intro about you and tell the other listeners how we know each other? Sure. I'm Lisa Tunigas, and I'm the owner and CEO for Innovative Learning Group here in Troy, Michigan, which is outside of Detroit. And I think we have run into each other quite a few times here locally at mm-hmm. AT Detroit, but then also we we had a bigger chunk of time um, just this past August at the ATD International Conference in Salt Lake City. So that was super great. We did. That was really fun. Salt Lake City was a cool place. Nice place to visit. I don't know if I'd want to live there. Nothing against Salt Lake City, but the altitude did not agree with me. Uh, this made me feel really bleh all the time. I guess if you live there long enough, you'd get over that. But yeah, we did. We had a uh, we had a good time, and we've met. Yeah, I think. Oh, I was trying to think about when the first time we met was. I think it was like four years ago. I went to my very first ATD Detroit chapter meeting with my current boss at the time from Ally, and met you there. Um, I think one of one of the folks that ran it. Yeah, it was those Cracker Barrels, too. And you were doing a great Cracker Barrel, I think. That sounds familiar. On augmented. Uh, yeah. Augmented. Oh, that was actually my second. That was my second one. I, the first right. one I went to, I don't remember what the topic was. Anyways, uh, probably should have thought about that a little deeper before we hit record, but that's all right. It's been a while, and I'm so glad that we keep running back into each other. Today, we're talking about entrepreneurship and innovative learning. And so what folks have now realized, I think, is that Innovative Learning Group is actually the name of your business. What kind of projects do you do at Innovative Learning Group? Anything really super cool? Well, that's super cool. And, you know, I think the best way to think of it is we really work across the whole learning and performance improvement space. So it can be everything kind of from the most consultative and strategic, like an actual learning strategy for a learning leader. We just Mm -hmm. did one for the learning leader of a sales enablement group information company. Or it could be um, curriculum architecture work, like doing learning paths. We just did for a staffing agency and mapped out all their leadership training. Wonderful. Or it could be a simple, you know, 30-minute e-learning course for a manufacturing company on safety and tag out lockout, for example, or probably the most cool thing we're doing now is um, virtual reality for a pharma company. Oh, virtual reality. My ears perked up and everything. Beautiful mixture of modern learning that you're doing. Everything from strategy to learning journeys, e-learning and in virtual reality. That's really cool. And I actually got a chance to visit your location That's one thing I think that's super cool about Innovative Learning Group is you actually have like a place that you go and you hang out and you 
make things happen. Tell us a little bit about your location, if you would. Yeah. I mean, we like to come together, to collaborate, to be face to face. Certainly we work, you know, virtually with clients all over the world and our contract network that's all all over the world, but it's nice to have a a space. And I Mm -hmm. think you were here, you visited our mezzanine where we have a virtual reality space set up. So everybody can be safe and have enough room to put on the goggles and and explore. Beautiful office. I wanted to just move in. I was like, (laughs) oh, look, they have like snacks and drinks. I'm in. Like, where can I plug in my PC? Yeah. So welcome anytime. Oh, hey, okay. And I got that on recording. So when I show up, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) But I might show up. You never know. But that's, that's awesome. And it's not too far away. You guys are also in a pretty cool place, uh, like a large business area in the in the metro Detroit area. So that's pretty cool. So tell us about your journey into entrepreneurship, sort of like what sparked you to want to start your own business? Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever probably set out to do this. Myself and others worked at another similar consulting firm that unfortunately went out of business in 2004. Mm. So I think, you know, we all thought we'd probably just retire from there because it it was a wonderful company, but uh, things happen with the economy and whatnot. And the owners of that company were very transparent and uh, with us. So in in some respects it wasn't a surprise, but you know mm. you're you're never really ready. Right. So I think it was the kind of thing where we were notified, you know, our last day was coming up soon and for whatever reason, probably that I needed a job on Monday, I said well, you know, are, are you going to start another company or would you mind if I started a company? And they said, no, fine, fine. If you start a company, you know, we're ready to do something else for now. <laughs> That's so kind of you to ask. You're like, um, so if you're not going to do this, it's okay if I do it. Yeah. It was it. Yeah. I like and, it. And then it was a whirlwind because it was literally, we were fortunate that we had work in progress. Um, and so we literally went and talked to those clients and said, you know, if it's us, will will you stay with us? And they said, you and you and you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. And so, you know, we did things like picked a company name and um, did a logo and, you know, filled out master service agreements and yep. bought bought assets and made a commission kind of structure for the work that was in progress and the clients we knew and had those relationships. And so it was really a whirlwind. We started out in my basement. So we literally had myself and five others in in my basement. Wow. That's awesome. That's a great story. Like you hear of other amazing businesses that start in someone's business or garage. I mean, Apple started in, in somebody's garage, you know, with two people. And only one of them was really working. I mean, this, that's what he says anyways. <laughs> if you go and listen to that, if you look at that story. But yeah, so what a great place to start and a, a, an awesome opportunity that sort of fell in your lap. So I got to ask, as you sort of continued on with this journey in, your, in this whirlwind fashion, you must have had some doubts and concerns and you know, some of that imposter syndrome chatter that happens in our head. Any Anything that you would, that you recall that you would share with us? Oh, absolutely. Um, because it is, it is terrifying. 
you know, because you are pulling some of your money out of savings, you know, from a cash flow standpoint to float the first part of the business, even though we had um, some work right off bat. For me, it's, you know, you feel like you know how to do your craft, right? And mm -hmm. our craft is instructional design and performance improvement and how to sell and manage that kind of work. I was fortunate because at the previous company, I had been in a leadership role and I often gravitated to some of the internal projects when, when we didn't have, you know, client work per se. Mm -hmm. So I, I had been involved quite a bit in some of those kind of things about running the company. Um, but I think that's what you worry about is, you know, well, how do I do a healthcare plan? And how do I do an FSA? And do we oh need goodness. to yeah. do a four? I'm overwhelmed. I'm our, you've yeah. <laughs> asked three questions and I'm like, oh, I have no idea. Yeah. Wow. But what I quickly realized is all of those kind of services that I just mentioned, they have like small business departments. So they're worse. They're, they're used to working with Joe's carpet cleaners and, you know, Sam's lawn mowing service and, you know, this uh, IT, small IT company mm -hmm. or this alarm company. So they're used to that. You know, we all have project management skills. And so a lot of running a company is just like a series of, of small projects. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. It's just that sometimes all those projects are happening at the same time. And that could be a lot. And, you know, there's the whole like, the livelihood of other people that you yeah. have to take into account. It's funny because I, I have thought about entrepreneurship. I kind of am an entrepreneur. I don't necessarily sell anything or make too much money. I, I sort of created this, um, if you ask Betty, business that content creation at this point, right? Mm -hmm. I don't like to be called a social media influencer because I don't like social media influencers. So I'm somewhere in between. It's a lot of pressure. <laughs> it is a lot of pressure and I don't need that. But I think that I kind of waffle back and forth between, is it better to stay a contractor? I mean, honestly, a lot of the things that you've mentioned as a contractor, especially if that's your primary job, you still need those things like master service agreements and, and things like that. Or is it best to kind of do entrepreneurship? What What are your insights as far as if somebody's sort of on the fence, what would you say to them about that? I think you have to think about how you want to spend your day. You know, do you want to do your craft and be a guru at your craft? And really, you just need then enough work for yourself. And you can decide, you know, do I want to work about 20 hours a week or about 60 hours a week? So you really just need to... I'm going to say sell or, or get enough work to kind of fill your dance card is what I say. But I knew right from the beginning I wanted to run a company. And so mm -hmm. I think, you know, if you think about how you spend your day running a company, it's different than how you spend your day as a kind of a, a one person shingle or sole proprietor, if you sure. will. You know, I still do my craft, but I as much do it in the sales process and the marketing process. I'm not spending my entire day just doing a craft. Right. And that, I think that's definitely a delineation point because I know for those, even for contractors out there, like it's tax season right now. Mm -hmm. And even though I've had QuickBooks for six months, I haven't worked my QuickBooks for six months. So it's like, ugh. Like, I know that I have to do that and soon. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if my voice sounds stressed, it's because it is. I just, I'm not excited about it. But that's sort of, that's the business side, right? So like if it's, for me, if it's a struggle to really do that or want to do that and spend time, want to spend time doing that, that's, that's, that's no bueno when it comes to running your own business because then you have to do it for yourself and to others. So I guess it's a mindset thing, right? Like, like you said, it's, do I want to spend more time doing my craft or do I want to do my craft, but also, you know, promote and, and build a business? I think so. And, and I think, you know, it's, again, it's, it's terrifying when you start up, but I think you'll find there's lots of things in place to support you. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to do tons of bookkeeping. Um, you know, you can get it still an, an, an interesting template. <laughs> still sounds terrible, but yeah. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to diminish it. I just, I have issues with the minutiae and the details and asking people for money. I, mm, yeah, might need to, I would have to change my mindset in order to make that work, I think. Right. Because that's a piece of it is you that's have kind to, of a big deal. Yeah. You have to exactly. follow up if you don't get paid on time. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. Um, so was this, this was your first business that you've ever started? It is. Officially, I mean, as a child, I pulled weeds and mowed lawns and did babysitting and taught piano and saxophone. Did you have like a Lisa, Lisa Tunigas LLC? No. Oh, okay. All right. The cash business, you would call it. Oh, got you. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. I think I had a few of those too. Um, So tell us a little bit about your experience as sort of a first time female founder and entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess I've never thought a lot about that because I, I find that, you know, just being in the training field, there's there's an awful lot of females anyways. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's fairly female dominated because many people come out of social services or public school teaching. It's true. Very true. Do you feel like you've ever had to work harder um, for a contract or anything like that because you showed up as sort of a female entrepreneur? And if the answer is no, that's okay. I'm just, I I just think sometimes we hear stories of people who've really struggled hard in in an industry where it's not female. In our industry, I hear, I kind of have heard it both ways, depending on where you're at. People that start software companies tend, within learning, tend to have a little bit more difficulty versus um, those that go in to do what it is that's already female dominated. Mm-hmm. You know, I honestly, in our field, don't feel like I've had that. Um, early in my career, I worked at one of the automotive industries in a district sales manager role. I was telemarketing, uh, so I was here in Michigan, but occasionally I would travel with other uh, field pe- personnel. And sure. I recall one time going to a dinner that was, I think, 30 men and me. <laughs> wow. So I think that's the only time I re- recall feeling, well, this is a little odd. <laughs> it's a little stacked against you. Um, yeah. But I think at the time, right, that was probably 20 or 30 years ago, and it was a lot of dealership principals and field people. So, I mean, it made perfect sense. That makes sense, yes. Mm-hmm. Because, yep. And largely, the majority of them were probably white males, mid-40s or, or older. I'm just guessing based on where we live and the fact that I used to work with dealers and dealerships at previous jobs. But it's funny how we notice those things now. And back then, I would imagine you didn't really pay much attention to that. Um, for better better or worse, I, I'm glad that we notice now. I think we have to focus on that sort of 
diverse talent, not to go off on a tangent on that, but mm-hmm. um, I can just, when you're describing that, I can just imagine, I can just see you at sitting at this giant table with <laughs> all these, all these old dudes. And that's back when we were wearing, you know, the ruffled collar shirt and those rose yes, yes. little ties. With oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know exactly what you're talking about. Back in the day. But I, I always feel like I tend to lean towards being on the, the more professional side than the mm-hmm. less professional side. So whether it's being prepared, being responsive, being, you know, kind of clear with communication, even things like um, dress and grooming, you know, I think those all tie into just being respected for who you are and what you bring. I agree. And you do always look very professional and it's a great model that you have. So, and you're not, and you're not stuffy. Y'all just need to know that Lisa's not stuffy. She's not stuffy, but she's professional. She's somebody you'd want to work with. Um, Yeah. So have you had any setbacks along the way, like discouraging moments as, you know, as you sort of push through the whirlwind that was the beginning. And and if you did, what did you do to sort of overcome those? Yeah. Um, you know, the first things I remember are certainly um, things that have gone on with the economy, right? Because mm-hmm. we are, most of our clients are corporate America. So as goes corporate America, so does our work largely. And so you can imagine corporate America is impacted by the economy. So we almost started out in a bad economy. You know, 2000 to 2004 was not a great economy. So we started out in a poor economy. So we could only go up. But pretty quickly, right, we got to 2008, 2009, which was was horrific. Um, Mm. So we're fortunate that we have a model where we always have X amount of contractors. So when our revenue shrinks or contracts like it did a little bit during 2008, we can just use fewer contractors Mm. and still be okay. But yeah, you have some sleepless nights because it's scary and we know all the right levers to pull when when the work gets a little quieter. Um, But it's still scarier just because of what you said. You know, I have mouths to feed. Right, more than just your own, yeah. 2008, I probably had 10 families to feed, you know, so, but I think you feel better after you get through at one time, mm-hmm. then, you know, you're like, okay, what goes up must come down, you know, what goes down must go up. <laughs> yeah. You feel more prepared because you've done this before. Um, yes. And you've sort of put into place the right measures that you need to kind of work on the work out the kinks. The 2008, that's rough times. So we've probably we've probably had a couple more of those, and I'm going to say they last four or five months or something, um, and then things have, knock on wood, for us always sprung back. So you know now we've yeah, been in good. business 18 years, so I I kind of have that that 18 oh. years foundation under our belt. If your you will. business is an adult, <laughs> we should have a party. I didn't think of that. That's right. We're coming up like March 1st or something. So. Oh, you should have a party and do adult things. I don't know what adult things are, but you should do them. I oh. love that. Would I be love fun. That. You can't that drink yet. Bad. Your business can't drink yet. 21. But okay. All right. 18. I mean, there are some other things. Like, I feel like 18 is <laughs> a big deal. Anyways, uh, we can have like a graduation party. You graduated. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I just want to have a party, as you can tell. <laughs> Let's talk about 
probably the most recent setback, or we could even call it a, a, a relaunching when COVID hit the scene. Like, how did how did you fare during that? If you're if you're willing to share, how did you fare during that? I, I would imagine there were ebbs and flows because at first there was so much fear. And so everybody just stopped doing what they were doing. Um, and then all of a sudden, everybody was like, oh, we need to do what we haven't been doing for the last year. So I can imagine there was some hit the brake, hit the gas. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I think certainly the, the pandemic hasn't been easy, and I never would have wished it had come upon us all from the whole range of things from a health standpoint, and as well as a, a business standpoint, and just I think the, the fear and uncertainty that we've all had. Um, we were able, other than it feels like a gut punch, we were able to transition pretty quickly. You know, we, we can work remotely. What we do is computers and, you know, work on a computer and talk on our, our phones and all that technology was set up to do that. So just logistically, we were prepared to do that pretty quickly mm-hmm. and pretty seamlessly. And, you know, we all worked at home except our office manager who was happy to stay here and kind of hold down the office, if you will, and still collect the mail and packages. And <laughs> yeah have access to the hard copy files because not everything we do is, is, is virtual yet. And be left alone with all the snacks and drinks. Exactly. <laughs> and, and probably not have a problem with it at all. Yep. <laughs> oh, I like your style. <laughs> but yes, yeah, certainly the work slowed down because some clients, they just immediately stopped the work. Others, you know, we kind of wrapped up the phase of work we were doing, but then we didn't go on to the next natural phase of the work. But then you're right, other things picked up because um, people kind of had to do things immediately, convert, mm-hmm. for example, from classroom to, to VILT. Yeah, I bet there was a lot of work there because I know I know for me, when I, w- when I worked in corporate America and would join teams like... I remember thinking when this all hit, I was like, I worked on several teams where they are not equipped. They do not understand. They don't know how to move from face to face to virtual without just literally doing the exact same thing. And you need to refine some of those processes to make it a meaningful experience as virtual. And I remember thinking, wow, I feel I feel for all these folks because they're just not equipped for it. At -hmm. least they weren't. They may be now, but they weren't at the time. So I'm sure that was a a hit the gas moment. Hey, let's let's trans, uh, translate this to virtual. We found a lot of our clients had to do that so quickly. It wasn't the right time to get us involved. Mm-hmm. Like literally they were doing it over the weekend because, you know, they had to convert their onboarding or orientation for um, some new hires that were starting Monday. Right. You know, right. so they were contracting with a vendor or something to, to help them do that. Maybe a little further down the line to kind of go back and say, okay, we did what we had to do. Now let's make it better. Yeah, that is exactly what happened. And then we were able to help them look at more of a blended solution mm-hmm. rather than just, you know, from ILT to VILT. Yes. Because, you know, no more than anything should be ILT, not everything should be VILT. So yes. I think Agreed. as we got further on into the p- pandemic, that's when we were able to to help kind of more on a more thoughtful basis, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, you could your company could get a tattoo because it's 18 now and it could say <laughs> I turned 18 and survived the pandemic. <laughs> I don't know, something. That might yeah. be a fun contest is if our company got a tattoo, what would it say? Look at I'm just giving you ideas and more work to do. Sorry about that. <laughs> 
That, that's great. I'm, I'm so glad to hear. And um, like I said, I got to visit, I feel like it was pretty recently. Yep. And you guys are obviously doing fantastic and turning out beautiful, great products. I'm hoping that we'll have Matt on to talk about the VR project a little bit further down the road, because I think yeah. that'd be really interesting. So many strides are being made right now in virtual reality, and um, you guys are in the forefront. You're, you're up front with it, and that's great. You're, you are helping to blaze the trail for learning, and I love that. What advice would you have for other would-be entrepreneurs? You know, like the folks like me who have thought about it, but they keep dismissing it or they're like, oh, just kick this can down the road. Like, what's your advice? Mm -hmm. So I think in addition to thinking about how you're going to spend your day and how you want to spend your day, um, I'm guessing, you know, you need to support yourself. So let's assume part of this is you need to in some way support yourself and perhaps others. So it's being kind of real with yourself about what does that look like? You know, mm -hmm. are you just doing this? Sometimes they call it as a lifestyle business where you can make a little bit of money, but you can do some some of the other things in your life that are important to you, whether mm -hmm. it's obvious or help take care of loved ones, either seniors or kids or lots of volunteer work, but be really truthful with yourself about kind of how much money you need to make, want to make. And then you have to crunch enough numbers to know that I always say the model works, if you will. And that was part of what was terrifying to me when I started the company is I didn't have all the numbers to know exactly mm -hmm. how the model worked. I knew at the other company we made money, right? Um, but until you know that the rent is this much and the, um, you know, the paper is this much yeah. and the telephone is this much and, you know, you take the, the revenue and you subtract out the costs of doing business if you have any money left. So really running a business is no different than a lemonade stand. And you have, you have to think about, okay, I'm going to make this much money. My expenses are going to be this much. I have this much money left. But then how many hours did you work mm. to make that much money? Because sometimes I, I think about other small business owners I see or entrepreneurs. It's like, ah, you can't be making more than $2 an hour. How's this working for you? Yeah. You know, when you see how much time they're investing or how they're operating or what they're charging. So, right. I mean, that's another thing is you have to know what you're worth and what you can charge for the service. So it's really, it doesn't need to be complicated. You don't need to be an Excel guru, but you just need to kind of write down a few of those basic numbers and see if you'll have any money left. Yeah. And then that, that combined with how you want to spend your time and, you know, what you're really looking to get out of it. Yes. If you want, you know, then I think that kind of helps just sort of like this math equation. Oh, I was told there'd be no math, math equation <laughs> that kind of adds up to, should you give it a try? And, and the thing with the numbers, you're so right, because I've sat down a few times to try to think about the numbers, even just for myself. And I'm like, but I don't know. Like, I don't, there's so many unknowns. You sort of have to chart, maybe option, this, this might happen, option A, option B, option C, and kind of go through, okay, well, if, if this, then that, if yeah. this, then that. And then once you've done it for a few months, you can actually fill in maybe option A. Yes, this is how it's going, you know, um, and same, and, and so on and so forth. And I think that's what kind of keeps people dismissing it or kicking it down the road is because there is a lot of sort of business 
planning and strategy work that has to go into it if you're if it's going to be a business even if you're going to be a contractor you have to have some strategy you have to know like how like you said how much to charge and i think that's where imposter syndrome gets us down to the core is because we either have no idea or we we pick a number that's so low other people will think you're not serious mm-hmm. you know so it's like uh there that's def- there's definitely some some research and sort of soul searching that you have to do in that. Yeah. And I think, you know, you want to have some of those numbers before you take the leap because you Mm -hmm. want to know it's going to work. Um, I think the, you have to be realistic too about how much of your time you're really going to get paid for. I think it's, it's easy to think, you know, even if you're going to, you know, teach piano lessons, right. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to teach this many a week and, you know, what happens though, right, is they come late, they leave early, they cancel that week, it's spring vacation, it's summer vacation, and you realize you're not really having 40 students 52 weeks a year. Right. So you, you can't run your numbers based on best case scenario, you know, because like we said, yeah. you have to spend some of your time marketing and sometimes selling and some on that, just that financial administrative work. So out of 40 hours, are you getting paid for 24 of those hours, mm-hmm. for, for example? Or, you know, if you're getting paid for 40, you're probably working 80. Right. She's not kidding. That's definitely the <laughs> truth. <laughs> really good stuff. Good stuff to think about. And I hope that people are, are hearing us say, we're not telling you not to do it. We're just telling you, think about what you really want. You know, do you really want to, like you said, spend the day in your craft or do you want to spend the day crafting a business and some of the day with your craft? And um, I think that's, I think that's important delineation for people to make. Very cool. Anything else that you want us to know about Innovative Learning Group? Insert shameless plug here. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say what's kind of cool about running this kind of company is being a performance consultant at heart like I am. You know, it's really applying that to how we run the business. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty, pretty, it's a pretty yeah. cool intersection that you don't have if you're like running a paint company or something. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So you actually enjoy the business part. I the business that. development is right up your alley because you you're framing it in that you're you're consulting on performance. Very cool. Yes. Love, love, love running a company. And I guess this, the shameless plug is, you know, we just love brainstorming. We love helping people. It's kind of the teacher in all of us. We love explaining things. I love having career discussions with people. So always happy to just get on a call and, and help you talk through some challenge or, or something that, that you have in front of you from a, a learning and performance standpoint. That's an awesome offer. So if you if you want to get in on that, you can get her contact information coming up here in just a minute. Just two more quick questions as we kind of wrap up. Uh, the first one is, what is the quality that you admire in others and why? You know, I was I think that's a great question. And I love people that are great conversationalists. Mm. I love I people that can have that dance um, that, you know, they're not just rapid firing questions at you and you feel like you're being interrogated, but it's not, you know, they just talk and talk and talk and talk. I like it that people that have that rhythm and that dance to a conversation and they share something about themselves and then mm-hmm. they're 
curious about something about the other person. So I think that's really an art and I love it. Yeah. And, and I'm a fan as well of a good conversation, as you can probably tell. And you um, are very good at it. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. How can people connect with you if they want to after the show? Sure. Absolutely. Um, email is great. And it's lisa.tonegas, T-O-E-N-N-I-G-E-S at innovativelg.com. Or you can find me easily on LinkedIn, or you can go to our website, which is also innovativelg.com. Very cool. Well, thanks, Lisa Tunigas, for sharing your thoughts today. And thanks to the listeners for hanging out with us. Hey, if you like this podcast, please go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash if you ask Betty. You can learn how you can support this and future if you ask Betty projects. Don't forget to tell your friends and watch for another episode of the If You Ask Betty podcast soon. Peace out.